if we don't have a rhythm of rest, if we if we're not continuously learning and staying intellectually alive, like I talk about, you will quickly burn out with the heavy and responsibility of the the education of your children and just the raising of your children. So I think it's key that that mothers know how to grow themselves as they come alongside their children and see them develop and grow. So I just think, you know, I mean, in my coaching practice, I just speak to lots of burnt out mothers and who are just kind of I'm about to, some people will come on and say, I'm about to give all this up. I just want to sack it. It's I'm done. I'm exhausted. Uh, and I have to pull them right back. And gen- generally, I'm the thing that we start with is, okay, tell me about your life and your rhythm and what's going on with you, because you have to build from there. You're listening to Simple Wonders, the podcast for parents who want to raise happy, curious, lifelong learners. I'm your host, Jessica Smith, certified family life educator and mama of four. Join me as we explore simple tools to nurture your child's heart and mind. Today, I am speaking with Leah Bowden. Leah Bowden is wife to Dave, mother to four children, and a longtime home educator. Leah is also the podcast host and author of the book, Modern Miss Mason. She and her family live in the West Midlands, England, which I am so excited to talk to Leah today and hear her beautiful English accent. I'm just so excited. Um, So Leah, I just finished reading your book, and I love how you brought to life Charlotte's principles in a way that's applicable for modern home educators. Can you tell us what makes her philosophy and methods applicable for every family and every time period? Yeah, thank you, firstly, for having me on and uh, thank you for reading the book. Um, Yeah, Charlotte Mason was, I mean, she was a revolutionary in her time because, you know, she was initially speaking into a culture and a century where children were seen and not heard. And there was this huge polarization of of wealth. So, you know, if you have money, uh, there's much more opportunity, but especially within education. And she saw this, that it just, it really wasn't fair. You know, she kind of has this mantra of an education for all. And what she wanted to do was present the idea that knowledge is available to all children, no matter what people think their outcomes are or what their long-term career um, ideas are. So in that sense, when she said education for all then, I really her principles and ideas still speak that message today. And it's an education for all because she keeps it so um, open. One of her biographers, um, Essex Chumley, said, Charlotte Mason left no recipes behind. So she wasn't trying to make it prescriptive for us. So because it's such a wide open space, um, then anybody can can kind of take on those principles and ideas and incorporate them into their home. So whether they, I mean, you know, we know mostly it's kind of known within home education and with homeschooling circles uh, and families, but and there are some schools around that still adopt her ideas. Um, not so much in the UK anymore. Um, but also I I truly believe that parents can adopt some of these ideas, even if their kids are in school. 
um, because it's not a one pronged approach to education. She has these three instruments, which we can go into whenever you want. Um, but she has these three instruments of education, which are atmosphere, discipline, life. So it's not just about, you know, how do we do maths and English? How do we do languages? How do we pass exams? It's about this holistic approach to childhood and education. Yeah. I, thank you so much. That's a beautiful way of describing it. Like you don't have to be home educating to use and apply her principles. No. Um, and so can you tell us more about those three instruments, the atmosphere, discipline and life? Yeah. So atmosphere, discipline, life. So atmosphere, Charlotte Mason said that children can learn and will learn from the ideas that kind of hang in the air. So this really looks at how we live our lives, what we celebrate, what we value, what we say yes and no to, what we, um, how our lives look. And so that is a really the responsibility there is on the adults in the house. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> the atmosphere we create is, is kind of breathed, this idea of it breathing in. So children learn from who we are and the culture we create in our homes so it's 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 worth really thinking about you know what what is it like to live here what do we talk about what do we celebrate what do we praise what do we endorse how do we go about the rhythms of our days and our lives and how do we manage our relationships our money our faith all that kind of stuff so that's a big part of how children learn and I, you know we get into the the nature nurture stuff as well there that Actually, it's a big it's a big part of how they develop. And then <clears throat> so atmosphere discipline, she really um, talked about she used the, the language of habits and habit training, which I, I, it doesn't sit so well with me in a 21st century uh, family and home and someone who, who teaches people of all walks of life about this philosophy. And um, so I kind of changed the language a little bit with that. But basically what she she talked about training for, for life, character, um, things that we can begin to instill in our children from a young age that will then become part of who they are in the adult world. And of course, you know, there are things that we uh, are responsible for in the in the day-to-day -day lives of our children even from, you know, helping them brush their teeth every day, uh, you know, pick up their clothes, whatever it is, through to, hey, let's be kind, let's be generous. And so for us as a family, how we've incorporated that, we talk about rhythm and routine. So we talk about regularity and we talk about these ideas being woven into the 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 fabric of our days and our family rather than using language like training. Uh, <laughs> because what I know about, um, you know, and some people are fine with it. Some people sit okay with that. I tend to, the word training for me sits alongside animals. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm just careful with the kind of language that feels a bit harsh. It may be a personality thing, but people may be listening who agree. So, um, but I have, we've always been very intentional about, hey, this is how we treat others. This is what we do when people come in our home. This is how we go about our days. And again, these things, it's very much tied up with the atmosphere because it's how parents behave as well, isn't it? So um, when I read about habits and I've read a lot about habits, um, it's all written for adults, for the adult world. Um, so, you know, there might be the odd mention of, getting your kids to do stuff but actually habit formation requires motivation internal motivation 
And generally, you don't find kids are not internally motivated to stack the dishwasher. You know, your four-year-old isn't necessarily, some might be good as gold and want to please people, but they're not internally motivated generally to to make the bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. But yet we help them and walk alongside them to help them understand that this is a great thing to create peace in our home. So that is how, you know, we've gone about it. What I would say is don't be surprised when your kids have to relearn these things when they're teenagers and when they're young adults, because, yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, going from experience and working with lots and lots of parents, they do. So that that was very much part of another prong of how we approach education. And then thirdly, education is a life. Uh, this is often misunderstood as, um, you know, children learn wherever they are and whatever they do. But that's not what she was saying. Yes, I agree with that. But that's not what she was saying. And education as a life is about living organic ideas. And this is about how we resource our homeschools, uh, how we resource the the. Uh, the subjects we choose to study with our children so we're you know we're getting to the language of living books and resources of being outside lots of connecting children with authors and musicians and artists through their work and us getting out of the way and letting them connect with them so that's where they're living so you've basically got what is your what is the home life and the atmosphere like where they're being raised secondly um, what are the rhythms, routines and regularity that is forming who they are for the future and for, for the now? And thirdly, how are you resourcing the idea of knowledge and education in your home? And, and those three things together, and some are more heavily weighted than others in different seasons, um, all play a part in, in our children being educated. Yes, um, you, I really resonate with the training. Um just yes. yeah, because uh, I studied human development in college. Okay. And um, we learned there's a lot of behaviorism and, you know, the, how they want to take what they've learned with rats and pigeons and apply it to humans. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of that. And I just like ch- children are so much, they're born persons. They that's are right. not just that's right. motivated by food all the time. <laughs> no. so it may seem like that, but yeah, yeah. they training um versus how like I like to think of as let's let's help them develop skills like yeah what skills are they lacking right. how can we help them um learn these skills or like you said we need to get their their heart and their mind yeah. on board motivated so that's right yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, there's this time for training that in academic academics, if you're a, an athlete, of course, you've got to train. Mm-hmm. But we you know, these things are very much part of the adult world. And I think we have to be careful when we're talking about that same language with children who are undeveloped their frontal cortex is not yet developed they they can't reason the way that adults can they are so um you know, they're amazing. They are whole persons and ready to communicate and contribute to the world, but they need to be nurtured. They need us to walk alongside them. So they, you know, we teach them by emulation of pattern and impartation of life and just come alongside. Hey, let me show you. So I, I always talk about when when we go on the kind of habits discipline area of, of Charlotte Mason, I always say to parents, there's no expectation without explanation and demonstration (laughs) this may then lead to motivation so I think that's a great way of remembering it because we have so as much so often as parents were like okay 
I'm going to train my four-year-old to make the bed every morning as soon as he gets out. And then you say it and say it. And you the fourth day, you're like, why are you not doing it? Or the second, you know, they're not doing it on the third week and parent gets frustrated. And and it's great. Make your bed. It's peace, it makes a peaceful morning. It's good routine. You're going to have to walk alongside them, have them with you while you're making yours and enjoy it together and show them how to do it. Make it really simple. Make the don't have things on the bed. Just have one pillow and one one duvet or quilt or whatever. Make it really simple. Remove the barriers. Help them understand how easy this is and, and what joy it creates. But keep walking alongside them. And we have to demonstrate and we have to communicate rather than get frustrated. And I know that parents can get tired and weary and frustration is a quick thing to come out of us when we've got <clears> stuff <throat> that needs to be done. And, uh, you know, I'm like, I thought I told you this 10 times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they probably just don't remember. And that's a real thing because yeah. they're the they're children. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. back to the, the motivation. Um, I have one thing that my boys have a hard time with is putting their clothes in dirty clothes in the hamper. Yes. Or keeping their room clean. And what I found is they, they don't care if their room is clean. No. And so what's hard is they know, like maybe in the morning they wake up and they're, you know, at night they take off their dirty clothes and they're like, I know I should walk over this other side of the room, but I just don't want to. And it's kind of (laughs) like, um, and you know what you can, I can relate to that. Like there's times when I'm like, oh, I'll I'll deal with it in the morning. Yeah. And here, I, you know, we're adult women. We're feeling that same stuff. It's yeah. just life, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And and yeah. I feel like a lot of, well, all three of those instruments are intertwined. Um, yes. Because if they don't have those living ideas, let's maybe they'll never read a book about the, you know, consequences of leaving dirty clothes on the floor, but bigger, yeah. bigger things, um, yeah. like not being honest or, yes, um, there you go. um, not, not exercising, taking care of your body. They, yeah, right. they, um, eventually they'll have this idea <laughs> of, I need to take care of my body. I want to. Yeah. So yeah. Introducing those living ideas. Yeah. also helps them become more motivated to develop definitely health. and you know what we I, I am a mother of two adult children and two teenagers so I've watched this I've watched this happen where you instill these things gently and consistently as they are young children as they are growing and yes we get messy bedrooms and things happen and mistakes and depending on how they're wired and how their brains work um these things can be harder for some kids than others or some adults than others. And But what I found is my adult kids have recognized the benefits of having a tidy room mm-hmm. and an organized place or whatever it is. And even when it gets chaotic, sometimes it, it might do in my 18-year-old's bedroom, he will, some one weekend, he'll just go, right, I'm on it, clear everything, do all his laundry, clean his room, hoover. And then he knows that feeling and I don't have to say anything he just gets on because he knows mm-hmm. the fruit of this is I will have a peaceful bedroll and, and my mind is more settled but they've had to relearn that for themselves yeah um and I've had to be okay with that and I don't want to be this nagging constantly like do this do this you know when they're growing and they've got varying uh priorities going on in their adult young adult world um but you know I've learned that 
because yeah. at times it has been frustrating like I walk in the bedroom again I'm like come on there are 20 cups in here this is where all my crockery is <laughs> yeah. actually they're not too bad at that they do bring it down <laughs> no but I, I know what you're saying I've come up and there's been lots of cups and what's hard is you can I've, you can teach your children and you can you know teach them good habits you can make it easy for them um your hampers right here. And yeah. I don't have a lot of, I don't have a ton of clothes for you, you know, cause sometimes there's just so many clothes yeah. either from hand-me-downs from brothers. So, oh, you know, yeah. you can try to, you try to um, create a good atmosphere with you cleaning the house, you know, the living spaces and try to simplify and, and teach them, you know, clean room is going to help you have a clear mind. And then it's down to them to make yeah. that conscious de decision. I think Charlotte Mason talks about that in, in um, her books about habit training, like getting the child's will on your side. That's right. So this, these three things are so applicable to every family because they're a method. Um, they are some, this timeless throughout yeah. um, her time, our, our time and in the future. Um, so I think a lot of us are when we were educated, it was in a system where it was, here's, here's what you, here's every single skill on a checklist, what you learn in this grade with every book that you will ever read, um, listed <laughs> out. Um, can you, can you kind of give us an idea of like, what's the difference between a method and a system? Yeah. I mean, I was educated within a system as well, the UK system here. And the thing about a system is that you've got this, uh, you've got a set input and a set output and it's so temporal it's so temporary so charlotte mason said um you know there's um no no uh the best way to learn is is self-education I'm, I'm i'm uh butchering the quote obviously but self-education everything else is mere veneer kind of sat on the top so really the systematic way of learning is is veneer it Sorry to all those listening if they're in schools and stuff, but uh, it really is because I think everybody could probably agree. Generally, I know for me, the stuff I did, I studied for exams and I crammed and I did all this work and I passed exams and got degrees and all this, but I couldn't tell you much about what I learned. Mm -hmm. I really couldn't. I yeah, could tell you more. I could tell you more about what I've been learning over the past 20 years alongside my children while we've been reading living books and, and living a living education. So I feel like the past two decades of my life, I have I have grown as a learned person much more than the, the couple of decades before when I was a student at university and all these kind of things because of the system of it's like, okay, this is the input. We're gonna we're gonna teach you this stuff. I'm gonna lecture you and this is what you must know and this is how you must feel about it. And often even your opinions are are, are shaped in, in those places. And then this is the outcome. You're gonna sit this paper and then then you will be a great citizen in the world. Whereas a method, again, I use this words a lot, is very spacious and it really honors the child as a born person because you are, you know, you're still being intentional about the atmosphere and the 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 methods that you're using the the resources that you're using you're present as a mother as an educator as a father but yet you are asking your child to engage with and to contribute to to the educational method to the to the source of knowledge 
so rather than and I describe this in the book, so I talk, um, I think it's in the chapter about standing back. It's about masterly inactivity. I describe this. Imagine coming to a table with your children. You've got all this delicious food on there. You sit down and then you begin to spoon feed it into your children's mouths and describe the food, the texture, the taste, and tell them how they will feel about it. Mm. And that really is a reflection on most of traditional education. Whereas what the Charlotte Mason philosophy does, this method of education, it says, come around the table, here's the food, help yourself and tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. And it's just so different. So same table, possibly the same meals, like subjects, <laughs> yeah. but we present it in, in this different way. And the outcome is dependent on their attention their engagement with it and your invitation to say hey I'd love to know what does that taste like which one is your favorite what did you like best you know you get the analogy but that really helped me I I remember coming years ago thinking hmm this is kind of what it's like um so method all the way for me that's definitely Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I remember, yeah, reading that in the book and I thought, oh, there's so many, so many good implications, um, that analogy to education. I mean, some even, you know, they might have a list of you're going to eat three spoonfuls of mashed potatoes and you're going to eat, you know, two ounces of pork and it's very prescriptive and it's not enjoyable to eat mm-hmm. when it's that way, or even just skipping whole food altogether. And here's some right. vitamins. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly what you need. Yeah. 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 Um, versus here is the food. Here's a feast. Take what you need. And, and teaching them how to cook, as it were, teaching yeah. them how to learn. So we are raising lifelong learners. We're, we're raising uh, human beings who will be able to continuously learn for themselves because of the way we present this educational method. Yeah. And I think that when people read about Charlotte Mason and her method, they um, maybe it's just coming from this background of being educated in a system, but they feel like it's too hands off or it's not intentional um, or not rigorous enough. Mm. And it's, it's completely on the opposite where it, I mean, that is not true because she's just saying we cannot force a mind to retain something. We, it's just shifting like our understanding of what our responsibility is. Right. Yeah. It's a fun, I mean, the word rigorous is hilarious. I think I don't, I, I only really hear that within American homeschool circles. I remember hearing somebody questioning this. Is it rigorous? I'm what what does, what do you even mean by that? Like, it's you know each child comes to this educational table every child gets to delve in and we as parents are you know we have this responsibility to to resource them uh the rigor is to you know could be you could be the best school in the world and still not engage and still not learn Mm -hmm. so I think um yeah I I won't go down that path I I was a I was reading Sarah McKenzie's teaching from rest, but oh, I'm just book. rereading it. And if I remember right, she said rigor, like the root word means stiffness of death. I think oh, is that goodness. what it means? She's like, is that how we want to describe <laughs> education? No, thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it might, it must sound like it's a very American thing. And it's not just in uh, brick and mortar schools or, or, or mm-hmm. public schools. It's 
I see it in a lot of homeschool curriculums. Yeah. They want it to yeah. be rigorous. And if it's, if they can't get this certain output from their children after doing this curriculum, then they failed or it's not good mm. enough or something's wrong with their child. Yeah. And I think that's what really resonated with me with Charlotte Mason is that um, we have to give up some of this need to control and yes. just trust the child and the the spirit that they will learn together or the spirit will teach them right that's right yeah absolutely some some faith and some trust that the child will take Mm -hmm. what they need and and learn hey jessica here i'm taking a short break to invite you to leave a rating a review or share this episode with a friend If you are enjoying this podcast and feel like it's helping you become a better parent, this is the best way to support it and share it with others. If you have left a rating or review, thank you so much. I appreciate your support. Now back to the episode. Another part of your book that I really enjoyed was uh, the focus on the life of the mother outside Mm -hmm. of homeschooling activities. So why is this so crucial for mothers to have what we call mother culture? I mean, if, you know, as home educating families, home educators, if the it's primarily the mother who is is doing that. I know in many families it's it's their father as well, but I am a mother, so I could only write for mothers. But <laughs> um, I, I think if we're not, um, if we don't have a rhythm of rest, if we if we're not continuously learning and staying intellectually alive, like I talk about, you will quickly burn out with the heavy and responsibility of the the education of your children and just the raising of your children. So I think it's key that that mothers know how to grow themselves as they come alongside their children and see them develop and grow. So I just think, you know, I mean, in my coaching practice, I just speak to lots of burnt out mothers and who are just kind of I'm about to some people will come on and say, I'm about to give all this up. I just want to sack it. It's I'm done. I'm exhausted. Uh, and I have to pull them right back. And gen- generally, I'm the thing that we start with is, okay, tell me about your life and your rhythm and what's going on with you, because you have to build from there. So so it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, you know, we don't have to have these pristine lives. But I think we have to feel the same responsibility for ourselves as we do for our children. We have to, you know, we have to, um, and I'm not talking about, I'm not necessarily, I'm careful with language around this. I'm not necessarily talking about excessive me time and pampering. And that's fine. If you want to do that, that's fine. That's not what I'm talking about. Because often what that communicates is this entitlement of I am exhausted. I'm at the end of myself. So I'm going to go for a spa weekend and forget everything. Now Mm -hmm. that might work for some people. That's, I don't want to, you know, I'm not saying that's terrible, how lovely. But what I want to endorse and try and catch and get into the heart of the home before the exhaustion and before the burnout is how can we how can we take our very normal, very real lives uh, where, yes, we're exhausted. Yes, we're up in the night. 
Yes, we're dealing with laundry and dishes and housework and husbands and, and all the things. How do we take that and incorporate a rhythm of rest and a rhythm of learning and rhythms of beauty and delight throughout every single day in little snippets, if needs be, that actually begin to fill our soul and build us up so that we don't get to the end of ourselves. And that really is what I've incorporated from when my children were babies. And as you'll read in the book, my mother was a great influence on me with this. You know, I wasn't home educated. She wasn't, she's not an educator. Um, but what she did in the atmosphere of our home and what I watched her do was just, you know, she'd sit in the garden for 10 minutes with a coffee and just enjoy being outside. I would see her reading poetry uh, just for five minutes. She would, um, you know, just little tiny things throughout the, and sometimes I'd see her taking a little nap in the afternoon because I knew she'd been up really, really early. And mm -hmm. I, and this idea of, okay, I'm going to try and get up early and read my Bible and do whatever. I remember doing all that when I had a baby and a toddler and two older children and I'd end up with a toddler on my knee and breastfeeding a baby, but I'd still sit there reading because they knew, okay, this is this is what mama's doing now. This is mm -hmm. We're just going to snuggle up and be quiet while she does this. So, you know, this is why I really encourage just having little bits of beauty around the home, put some art prints up, um, stick them on your boiler in your bathroom, wherever you can, have books around. Have I have recipe stands in the kitchen, not necessarily for recipe books, but I'll put poetry books up there. I'll put my Bible in there sometimes. Um, and I'll just, and I'll go outside and sit in the sunshine for 10 minutes with a cup of coffee. Every, you know, we can do that. Um, so it's these rhythms, rhythms of rest, rhythms of, of delight, um, of taking responsibility for our, our inner life so that when we are walking alongside our children and pouring out, which we do, um, that we do that from this healthier place. And I, you know, <clears throat> I definitely encourage mothers to have friends. I talk about friendship in there. Um, even the most introverted people are healthier when they've got one friend <laughs> yeah. and, um, it's, I was listening to a podcast this morning about, um, the, um, it was about health and, uh, the, the pandemic of loneliness and all this kind of stuff and how really the, the science of happiness all comes down to relationships. What are your relationships like? So again, you know, that these things are just really important for mothers. And so that was a a big part of why I wanted to put that in the book. Yeah. And I'm sure you're familiar with the quote from Charlotte Mason. She said, if mothers could learn to do for themselves what they do for their children, we should have happier households. Let the mother go out to play. If yeah. she would only have courage to let everything go when life becomes too tense and just take a day or half a day out in the fields or with a favorite book or in a picture gallery, looking long and well at just two or three pictures or in bed without the children, life would go far more happily for both children and parents. Yeah. The whole of chapter nine is based on that. Based on that quote. Yeah. yeah. It's based on that. Yeah. So I break down the quote and I, I look at what she suggests and she's not even a mother. She never was a mother, but she just had this, you know, community of mothers around her. But I break down that quote and look, I actually look at what she suggests, um, you know, having a nap, mm -hmm. <laughs> going yeah. out in nature, reading a book. I like how she says, 
you know, go to bed without the children. I think that's really funny because she obviously <laughs> saw lots of mothers who were sleeping with tons of kids in their bed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, all that is so important. And I love that. Go to, you know, look at some art, go to a gallery by yourself. Or, um, and I definitely have done all those things and try and do them as much as possible. Yeah. And, you know, I love when she says, have courage to let everything go when life becomes too tense. Because mm. for me, when I read her books, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I need to be this perfect mom. Like I need to have the house clean. I need to teach them good habits. And so I can't sit down and read a book because the dishes need to be done or this needs to be done. And so I'm just constantly trying to get all these things done. And that really, for me was just so liberating to just think, you know what, when life is tense, let it go for a bit and just do something to fill up your own cup and have courage. (laughs) to do that I think that's a really important use of language there because she again not from experience but from observation she could see that she used the word courage because she could see this is not an easy thing to let go and it's not is it I mean I I, even this past week there are things that I've had to I felt okay this is a little bit this is a bit overwhelming or this I need to deal with this this and this and it does take courage to kind of sit down and write it all down or just the idea of putting it aside. I think journaling is brilliant for stuff like that. Um, just have a place of uh, reflection or of, yeah, just being able to, okay, I'm going to sit that here and then I'm going <laughs> to go and read a book or go and sit outside in the garden for a few moments. Um, yeah, such important language. It does take courage. Yeah, but she, did, she didn't see our day where no. we have our phones and sometimes our just decompressing is scrolling on social right. media, which for me, I've learned does not fill my cup. Mm-mm. It does not help me become happier. And so I think that's something just from, from my own personality, I've had to say, okay, I need to do something that actually is going to help me grow. And it's actually going to feed my soul reading mm-hmm. poetry or reading a book or going on a walk in nature. Um, I think that's also something important with mother culture is it needs to be actually something that feeds your soul and doesn't just mindlessly distract you. Definitely. I mean, I, I spent about three hours in my garden at the weekend and it was hard work. It was, I got really messy. And I said to my husband afterwards, that was amazing. I loved it. Because I don't get to do it loads, but actually it needed it. But it, and it was beautiful afterwards, and there was this great sense of achievement. But the smell of the soil, the planting flowers, just there was that for me was a, a key example of mother culture for me. Now, not everyone will experience gardening in the same way, <laughs> but actually for me, that was I had a podcast on, and it was just like the best. And I think it, it, some people find that with cooking and baking and just preparing a beautiful meal or you know whatever it is collecting some wildflowers and putting them in a vase and just small things that actually are they may still contribute to the maintenance of your home and garden but actually it could be something that brings you great delight yeah and so you have to know what you love I mean some people um you know they love to sit for an hour and do their nails beautifully and really spend take time over that and that for them is Mm -hmm is mother culture um I 
yeah, that's not me. I, I'm not very good at that. <laughs> I would like someone else to do that for me. But... <laughs> yes. Yeah. There is a mom who told me that she has a list of very simple things that really bring her joy. Yep. And she said, I try to do three of those every day. And it's very like good. very simple, like yep. taking a hot bath, reading a book, eating some dark chocolate alone. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> and I did at one point make a list. These are simple things that bring mm. me joy. And I'm allowed to put off certain things if I need to, <laughs> if I do need that. to just take a break and do that. Absolutely. So when life gets too tense, would you, would you say that there's times when in your school, homeschool, things are getting too tense. Maybe they're, um, your child's not understanding a concept or they're pushing back to just say, we're going to go do something else. Like we're going to spend a day in the fields. We don't yeah. have to finish this, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm a huge advocate of that. If children are getting stressed or mom's getting stressed, especially if there are tears over something and there really is a sticking point, um, sometimes we need to take stand back and think about, okay, how do I remove this barrier to learning? What is it that's in the way? And sometimes to do that, we need to come out of the situation altogether and do something completely different. So yeah, so there's so many times I've been in the middle of like handwriting or with the kids or a maths lesson or something. And I've said, okay, let's just everything, put everything down. We're going to get our coats on and we're going to go out for a walk. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is, you know, great for the kids. And then you come back and have a hot chocolate or whatever, if it's the winter um, and shake it off. And then generally I will return to it the next day. I don't, I wouldn't even return to it the same day, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I know for me, even with problem solving, that sometimes I'm in the middle of something and I just cannot think straight. And I just think, you know what? I'm going to close it, go to bed. And the next morning I'm like, my, I know what to do. Mm -hmm. My brain is clearer suddenly. And that I know the adult brain is fuller than a child's brain, probably of, of responsibility and things. But I found that get, taking a break has helped my children then develop. Sometimes it's a longer break. I remember when I first started I first introduced written narration with my oldest child and um, she just had meltdowns over meltdowns and she just was crying and just couldn't do it. And I, I, this is my first child. So I'm learning all the time about the Charlotte Mason philosophy. Anyway, she was my guinea pig, bless her. <laughs> and um, bless the I, oldest. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and I decided I was like, okay, it's too soon and waited a whole year. I just said to her, okay, let's stop. Let's take this off the, totally take this off the, off the, our expectations for this year, continue to develop her oral skills. So she was staying fluent in that. A year later, we came back and I developed some skills about transitioning from oral to written narration. And, you know, within days she was writing reams mm -hmm. and it was a completely different child. So sometimes you've got to be brave to be able to say, okay, pause just have a little bit of insight and discernment over this child, this situation here. Maybe it's it, maybe it's just an overnight thing. Sometimes it's a whole year, and mm. it's just a case <clears throat> of their development that you have to be an observer of, and just know what's right. Yeah, and that's going back to the system versus method. If you that's right are a slave to the system, you're like we need to finish this yep. worksheet today because right. we have a schedule to adhere yeah. to. 
um, yeah. it'll mess everything up. Um, or even this is how old you are. You should know this by now, yeah. which often is that's what kids face. They get told in school they're behind. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like they they're not where they. I mean, my my sister in law was telling me about she's got four children under nine, and their youngest who's just in reception, like pre K, I guess. Uh, already she's been told that she's not up to standard and she's not doing what what's expected at that stage and I'm like oh my goodness and that's heartbreaking I hate hearing that yeah and you hope that they're not telling the children or the child that you know you're behind um because I like to believe that children do want to do well they do Mm -hmm. want to meet expectations yeah um they're not trying to um, be behind and so when they feel that pressure they you know like what's wrong with me why can't I do this I and, and most of the time it's just developmental <laughs> you right. know yeah. we don't do this yeah. with walking you know mm-hmm. could you imagine if um, the physical um, and even like mental emotional development of toddlers were put into a system you know okay by 12 months, you need to be walking at this certain pace. <laughs> like yeah, if not, I you're know. going to go into remedial classes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's sad, isn't it? It's so sad. And yet there are, I mean, there are, you know, systems for how much your baby should weigh at a certain stage and all these kind of, and right from this moment they come into the world, as soon as you, uh, and that's what it's like in the UK anyway, that there's this comparison game begins mm-hmm. really quickly. You know, what centile is your is your baby on and uh you know their developmental milestones and i understand if there's an issue there are things to look for i get that mm-hmm. but we almost then begin to translate that into education and uh you know i i i was a slow bloomer i definitely took a little bit longer with everything probably still do just i like i'm more considered i think longer like i my husband calls me a day two person <laughs> so i'm like give me 24 hours to make a decision i i don't i don't act on stuff quick i have to learn something slowly and but it goes deep mm-hmm. and i think i know that's part of my personality it's part of who i am and um children have a hard time if they're if they're taking a little bit longer than others and they have to keep up keep up so that's the beauty of home education isn't it that we get to say okay we're just gonna go you are an individual in on your own race and we get to go with the stage that you're at in your life and we're going to celebrate you yeah and like you said you can if life gets too tense you can step back and say all right we're gonna going to try this again in a day a week a month and there, that's the beauty of a method, you know, that's right. You can close yeah. the books for the day, go outside or for however long you need to for a certain yeah. subject. Yeah. So do you, do you have any encouragement for moms who are maybe transitioning from a system to a method, or maybe they're just feeling just, they're lacking this confidence. They're struggling. What would you have to say to them for encouragement? Yeah. I mean, with everything, I think it's important to take it slowly and don't have these grand expectations and ideals of yourself so soon. Um, <clears throat> if you are new to home education, if you've, you know, if you're at a stage where you've taken children out of school, there is definitely a time for some de-schooling, for undoing some of the behaviors and systems. Um, but if you're new and got young children and uh, are developing the rhythms of home education, then just give yourself time. Be kind to yourself. Be, you know, and I would say get a little bit ahead of the game in your own, in the sense of do your own learning before you even start to implement stuff. Like, don't worry if it's, 
you don't start on time in August. It doesn't matter. Um, you can give yourself that time and space to to be learning yourself, getting un, you know understanding um, the methods yourself, and then um, you know create some rhythms in the day with your children. And I, and I would say if there are people who feel a bit burnt out and are just exhausted by stuff back up everything you know just just pause and um back right up and just look at okay what do i need to undo with the things that i need to take off my plate is there too much going on here and i think if you're going to start moving forward again there are three things that are really key i would say um to start to put in place and this is relationship rhythm and reading so relationship is so key how are your connections with your children do you feel like you know them are you uh, you know are you enjoying your time with them i think relationship is so key um reading just just do some reading together just kind of you know around a meal time if they're sat still do some reading together and then uh rhythm you know how do you want your day to look and i think even without purchasing you know curriculum or having grand ideas around the methods and what you're going to use and do those three things if they're in place they're very foundational to the beginnings of a charlotte mason philosophy so um i think they're great for starting with and they're also great for going back to and revisiting if you're tired and worn out You can find this episode's show notes, as well as more information about this topic on our website, www.simplewonders.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and or rating the podcast, or even better, share it with friends or family. If you'd like to further support our work here, you can donate by clicking the link in our profile. Thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to discuss our next topic. Until then, go out and work some wonders. <laughs>